This is a Showbile podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Bucks on Nux. We're rolling on to episode 37, and I said it a couple weeks ago. If I'm hosting the pod, you know something has gone horribly wrong. You get the far worse host other than Stu, and I'm now hosting the pod here today. Speaking of Stu and the <laughs> what he's up to, what are you doing, buddy? How are you? Hey, man. Um, just wanted to announce it's always been my dream since I was a kid to play for the Maple Leafs. And uh, I have to, I'm proud to announce that I'm a new member, a fresh signing of the Millbrook Maple Leafs, boys. Millbrook oh, Maple Leafs right. men's league team. Uh, their, their, their goalie from the their starter goalie or, or the goalie that they were playing to ride out the season with uh, is uh, unfortunately on LTIR. I came in as a kind of a replacement, like a college uh, pickup last day, day of the game type shit, last minute, University of Toronto type situation. You're the e-bug. You're the e-bug. Yep. yep, and then put on a show, and they're like, you know what, we might as well keep this guy. Um, and he's, uh, he's he's pretty much what you'd call a fucking raw prospect. For the, ah, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to find an example, but I'm also like 20 years younger than all these guys, so. I don't think I'm actually technically supposed to be allowed to play for this You're team. Logan, I Thompson. Think a- Logan Thompson was playing for a university in Canada and then got signed to the Vegas Golden Knights as now the starter. Well, what I mean is like I was trying to find like uh, I'm trying to think of like a young goalie that came in at like fucking like 18 years old or something. It was already Evan like the best in the league. Oh, Evan no, Cormier. Not, not best in the league, but <laughs> Evan Cormier got drafted in the fourth round. Shout out my guy, Evan. We're trying to get him on the pod here eventually. Got drafted in the fourth round by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, his entry level contract went up, and then all of a sudden, New Jersey was having a fucking bunch of uh goalie issues. And guess who they called upon? Who was playing at like the University of Guelph? Evan Cormier. He came up and sat on the bench and was a backup. I don't know, Stu. Maybe that's not the best uh comparison to you, but I'm trying to help you out as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> nah, David Ayers, you're David Ayers. David Ayers, but fucking thirty years younger. <laughs> but yeah, no. that's fun. That's fun. I ripped a fucking. I guess uh, I got a shut out the last game. Okay, well, actually, I played two games and they were just like spot, like fill in games. And I got lit up both games. It was like six or seven goals against, but it's like an hour and a half of straight hockey. And it's like, uh, like these guys give up like 15 breakaways a game. You know what I'm saying? It's men's league. And then uh, for some reason, they dialed it in for a game, didn't give up a single breakaway all game. And what do you know? Humble fucking goose egg on the board, two nothing win, a little bit of a defensive battle. And then uh, they're saying, whoa, that's the first shutout uh, we've seen in years. So there we go. So I'm a men's league fucking all-star now. <laughs> Stu, I got to come at you here. I have to. Because you're a goalie. I'm a player. Yep. I would fucking rip Ched on you. If we fucking rented ice and we did a 10 penalty shot challenge, I guarantee I score at least eight of the 10. Eight is crazy. Eight is crazy. I, it probably I would... is. I've never seen you play. You've never seen me play. I'm ripping eight. <laughs> I'm also just big, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could just, like, get away with my size. Like, sometimes on breakaways, like, I just get lucky with the save because I'm just long, like, you know what I mean? So, like, eight, no even, eight, no even if I was just completely outmatched out there, which I'm not, I'm not denying or, or confirming, but, like, even if I was just, like, completely fucking outmatched, I would say that I would get at least more than two just based on my fucking uh, attributes here. 
No, I I had to just say it because you're talking about getting shutties. I just had to say I would rip on you. Um, maybe in the future that's a bucks on nux segment where me and Stu go ten fucking things. But then we'll switch it up too. I'll put on Stu's fucking goalie equipment. He'll go play oh and he'll snipe. rip on me. That's what oh I'm saying. Like, I, what am I gonna I save? Be- I'm gonna save two. And it's because you missed the net both times, probably. Like it's not because I made a save, <laughs> buddy. You know what? I haven't been on ice with like. A, actually, that's a lie. But I haven't been on ice with like player skates and so and like since I was a little kid. So um, I don't know. I need to get a pair of those. But like, I'm a road hockey all star. So don't think I'm out here just stone cold hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I love that. But speaking of knocking off the rust, we got a couple fucking topics to talk about, including UFC 285, where we watched John Jones knock off his ring rust of the three-year layoff. Dude, I'm right back into it, Stu. You got to fucking throw a compliment out there for the transition game. Knock (laughs) off us, baby. Let's go. So UFC 285, we're going to cover some of that. We're going to pick some winners and losers of the NHL trade deadline. We'll talk about the Leafs deadline in total because I think Stu and I were kind of all over what the Leafs were going to do and kind of predicted a couple of those trades. It was listed in the last pod. Uh, I called Luke Shen. Stu called Ryan O'Reilly. We both said that they're not done and they're probably going to try to go after a top four defenseman. They got Jake McCabe, but we'll save that. First things first, I want to talk about the absolute snore fest that was UFC 285. I'll let you say your takes on how you thought the whole night went, how John Jones, uh, John Jones' return went. What did you think about UFC 285? It might have been 286, but I think it was 285 as a whole. Yeah, it was 285, and, you know, everyone was excited going into it. You know, the return of John Jones, it's a big fucking deal. And then Shevchenko on the card, um, the Rachmana fight was pretty, ne- or, like, pretty hyped up, I guess. He's undefeated. Um, Bo Nickel, the I debut of Bo book. Nickel. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it was a pretty hyped up card, and then you're right. I feel like, uh, well, and it's no fault to the fighters, you know what I'm saying? They're just going out there to win fights and, and or stay alive, you know what I mean? So. Um, it's no fault to them, but it, yeah, I guess like uh, I'm not like not blaming anybody, but you're right in saying like that it was a little bit disappointing. Like, what are you, what are your thoughts? Well, so my thing with the with the card, like the Bo Nickel thing, I love that, but why is that not just on the ESPN prelims? Why is Cody Garbrandt on the thing? Like, I I don't get me wrong, I love a good fucking debut, but that Bo Nickel fight was going to end that way. He was like minus seventeen hundred or something like that favorite like they knew they put him against a guy who couldn't wrestle he went in there he didn't even throw a punch he threw one kick and fell on his ass didn't look good and then got on the guy and kind of went at whatever the john jones fight boring as all john jones fights usually are like john jones in his prime when he was on the roids and he was ripping but this is like eight nine years ago those were entertaining since then john jones has a lot of boring ass fights the bullet shevchenko she's on the back nine of her career all the other fights just didn't really fucking hit for me. I thought it was a boring card. I would never blame the fighters. I think that's a great point by you. It's not like I'm going to sit here and say the fighters didn't go out there and try. Like they're fucking ripping their tarps off, locking the octagon and going in there fighting in front of fucking a million people. I'm not mad at them. It's the matchmakers. I think that was a horribly made card. I think John Jones almost isn't that main event talent anymore. And you almost need to put him as like the secondary on a McGregor card or on a whatever. Like, I just don't think he didn't have that like it factor for me anymore because at the end of the day, like he's, he's fucked up so many times. He's John Jones. I don't like him. I just thought it was a boring ass card. Um, I'll let you go final thoughts on it, Stu, but that's just how I saw it. I was really disappointed with the pay-per-view event. That was John Jones return. (laughs) 
That was an absolutely nuclear take, as we like to say here. John Jones is not a main event talent anymore. I mean, he did just win the fucking heavyweight belt, right? Was it? Was it a? Are, are you are you excited to see the next John Jones fight? No, but this is the thing. Like you put you put you put Nurmagomedov, you put Makachev and stuff. You put these other wrestler guys. You know what I'm saying on a on a oh. main event. You know yep. what I mean. So why like and John Jones is now, he's the goat. And he's still winning. So, like, I mean, asterisk, I think he kind of deserves- asterisk. Well, I mean, he's Khabib never lost. Is, Khabib is the yeah, but he was on. He he got tested positive for roids a couple times. Khabib also never lost, That's and he fair. never tested fucking positive, right? So, I I think Jones is the goat. Asterisk. I'll give you that. Like Jones, yeah. goat. Asterisk. But like Khabib is the real goat because he did everything that John Jones did, but didn't ever test positive for steroids. Um, yeah, I but think before Khabib- the Connor fight, were you ever fired up for a fucking Nurmagomedov fight? Were you fired up uh, like super for the fucking? Were you f- more fired up for the uh, Khabib Gaethje than you were for this John Jones fight? It's a very good point. Um, that's a very uh, you know what that I, that's a tough one. You put me on the spot. I would say somewhat like with Khabib, yes, because there was that thing of is he going to be able to get him to the ground? Is he going to be able to get hit or whatever? And then Khabib would take guys down and smash them, dude. Like just dummy them and annihilate them and just constantly do it. And it was like entertaining. Like every time I watched Khabib fight, I thought, oh, I want to see him fight the next time too. Like I'm tuning in next time. And the last few times Jones has fought, I've just thought to myself, like, I don't give a fuck if I watch him fight again. I obviously understand that Jones is the main event talent, but to me, like a, a main event talent, even if it's not for a belt, to me, it just screams like you have, like you have to make me want to, Watch it again. Like Makachev versus fucking Volkanovsky, you want to watch that again. Mcgregor fights, you want to watch that again. Khabib, you want to watch it again. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you I just never don't knew get that from that Jones gonna... anymore. Right, right. But you never knew that, like, how those fights were going to turn out. I mean, the, I I would yep. argue that the Nurmagomedov McGregor fight wasn't all that great. And then, or like, wasn't all that entertaining if, uh, yep. like, I don't know, from the perspective of somebody that it, it likes this the standing bangs or the striking. But I mean, like there's the guys that are like really like, like hardheads and, and fucking like deep into the sport that really enjoy like the cool submissions and the cool wrestling transitions and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, and I do too. I do too. Honestly, I'm, I'm a casual fans take. So here's my thing about Khabib and McGregor. Um, what John Jones didn't bring like Khabib knocked Connor McGregor down. Yeah. with a right hook at one point. And after he won, he jumped into the crowd and started a brawl. Yeah, like, you know fair. what I'm saying? Like, I get that's not actual part of like UFC, but it was still so- something where you're like, I am entertained. Yeah, but like, it's not Jones, Jones I was just jo- like, wasn't. It's not Jones' fault that the fight went like 30 seconds, you know what I mean? Like, or two minutes or whatever, right? No, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to fault the guys for doing it. That was so- just my take on it, that I don't give a fuck to see John Jones fight again. Like, if I was buying pay-per-views and not illegally streaming them, getting them for free, like most of us fucking guys, I would never pay for a John Jones main-evented uh, pay-per-view unless the whole card was stacked. Like, yeah. You know I mean? No, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But that's, the, I, I mean, like I said, like, I think your take on that is perfect. Like, the fighters aren't to blame. Like, I don't blame Jones. I don't blame Gone. I don't blame the fighters that I think that's a perfect take of it. It's just for me, like, I wouldn't pay to see John Jones go again in a main event. All right. I won't argue that. <laughs> okay, so, you know what? This is actually, mark it down in history. We're 37 episodes in, 
And me and Stu just fucking agreed on a point where we're like, you know what? I see yours and you see mine. <laughs> Usually you and I are cutthroat with each other. And we go back and forth until the fucking tie cuts us off. I love it. <laughs> I love that a lot. All right. So I'm going to move on. Um, speaking of cutting ties and fucking being cutthroat, the NHL is a cutthroat fucking business. And the NHL trade deadline just happened. And we happen to have our NHL expert, which is Stu, here to give his takes on some of the trades. I just kind of want you, Stu, um, to either just give your take, tell me a winner or a loser. Obviously, it's early for a lot of these things, especially if the guys have extra years on their contract. If it's a rental, it's easy to say winner, loser, whatever. But I just kind of want your take on five different trades. I'm going to start off. So the Ottawa Senators, and this is one where actually before we get going, I'm going to give Stu a formal apology. We were on a podcast maybe three episodes ago, and I told him, like, shut up. Jacob Chikrin's not getting traded till next year. I didn't see it happening. Arizona's a shitty organization. They're not going to do the right thing. And he was adamant that Chikrin was going to get traded this deadline. And he did. So Ottawa Senators received Jacob Chikrin for a conditional 2023 first rounder, a conditional 2024 second rounder, and a 2026 second round pick. I don't have the conditions on me, but a first and two seconds, all conditional. I think obviously the condition is the second can become a first, but it like who gives a fuck? A first and two seconds, a first this year, a second next year, a second in 2026. If you had to pick a winner or loser or your take on that trade, what do you think of the Jacob Chicken trade? All right, I was going to disagree with you when you were kind of breaking down this segment about the winners and losers and stuff because I, I usually find that like trade deadline moves, it's hard to kind of pick it's, they're almost winner winner because like a lot of times it's expiring contracts on like dudes on aspiring contracts on not so good teams um, that almost need to be moved and then they're going to a team that kind of needs that person to to fill a gap on their team so they're all a lot of the trade deadline moves and I feel like some that you might bring up are gonna be winner winners and I won't really have like a winner or loser I'll have yep. some thoughts to share but like um but yeah like I said a lot of them are are, are, are wins from both sides um especially at the trade deadline. But this one specifically, the Chikrin trade was uh, a guaranteed massive loss uh, on the side of the Coyotes because uh, you, you just made a face like you disagree. But what I'm saying is that um, you didn't think he was going to be traded because they were holding out. And then I was saying, I was saying he's definitely being traded. Like I, I thought like there's no way that he doesn't get traded at this point. You know what I mean? Like they, He's been asking for a trade for, I feel like, over a year now. And and you didn't think it was going to happen. And I didn't think it was going to happen. And it turns out waiting, um, you just thought it just wasn't going to happen. But it turns out waiting um, was their strategy. And it actually worked against them because you heard the big headlines were saying that um, the asking price was what two first, two first in a, round in a picks, promising a prospect. prospect and somebody off a roster too. Like that's what Darren Drager and Pierre Lebrun and them were like reporting, you know, a month before the deadline that Arizona was asking for. Right. So I, I haven't heard anything come out. Uh, maybe they have, and I just haven't been watching close enough, but I haven't heard anything come out about like previous, like, uh, packages that were offered to the coyotes, but I guarantee you they had better deals on the board here and they wanted right. to wait it out. I guarantee you they had better deals and, and waiting waiting costed them a lot because um that's a steal, realistically. Um that's a steal. It's not that they were looking for more than fair value for Chikrin and they ended up getting less than fair value. They didn't even get fair value because uh Chikrin, uh yeah, that was a steal for for Ottawa. And um I'm glad for Ottawa because um we're going to the game. 
next weekend. Uh, Toronto. I was going to bring that up later in the pod as like a keep your eye out. Okay, we'll do that. No, yeah, save that for later. But okay, uh, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited to yeah, I'm excited to see Shikran. I'm excited to see the new look Leafs, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. But um, yeah, that's gonna be excited. And uh, and I, like I said in previous episode, I know Ty and I had like we were in the midst of an argument, and I was said, "Hey, listen, man, like I want Ottawa to be good. Like I you know what I'm saying I don't have anything against Ottawa realistically. I do. Uh, I know you do, but I I said like I like what all the all, all the Canadian teams are buzzing." And I like that rivalry. So I want Ottawa to be good, and this definitely makes them better. Um, are they too far out of a playoff spot now? I don't know. Um, Probably. I haven't really been following. This is why we need Ty on here sometimes, because I haven't well, really been following the last no, couple we, sense games. But like before the deadline, before the they deadline, were they were buzzing a little bit. So I don't know what they've done in the last couple of games, but uh, we'll see. Chickren did score a fucking nasty goal for his first as a send. Did you see that? It's like bar down from the fucking, from like wide wide against the boards from the blue line on like a turnaround fucking snipe show. That was sick. Okay, so I'm not going to, like, this isn't me, like, disagreeing with Stu and looking for an argument. I have always said this. I said this in the time that, you know, Ekman Larson was the same way. Chickren might be the same way. I think this is a great deal for the Senators. You want to take a fucking risk on a guy like this. He's 24 years old. You have him under team control, under a good contract for next year as well. But you can't deny that Jacob Chikrin has injury issues. Like he's he hasn't played a full season in in his time. And also, I said this to Stu. It's great it when you're the best player on a really shitty fucking team. Like you look better than you are. So I don't think that Jacob Chikrin is still the piece that the Senators needed, like to to push them to that next thing. Like I think Jacob Chikrin on a Stanley Cup winning team is like a. F- a number three, four defenseman and the, the senators need like a one, two. And, and look like, like I said, you guys get like, people could disagree with me, but it's no different than fucking like anybody who's had injury issues where you're just not even sure if they're going to be around come playoff time because they never have been in their career. I love the trade for Ottawa. I agree with you, Stu, where the package was definitely like way less than they were offered at one point. Um, I think the, I think, I think the problem with what I was saying of holding him until next year because he's also like under contract in the NHL, you know this. It's not like the NBA. It's you fucking show up and play or like, fuck you. Like, we won't pay and you could stay at home, right? Like, think of William Nylander. Like, that's yeah. what would have happened with Jacob Chikrin if he just didn't want to play. So the asking price at the deadline next year would have even been lower what they got now. So I think it's a good deal for Ottawa. I do think it's a great thing. I'll move on to the next thing. Cause like I said, Stu, I agree with most things, what you say, but I do always think that with Arizona and really shitty teams, like certain players look way better than they are because they're playing on such a bad team. Like name another defenseman. And this is, if you get this, I'll be shocked. Name another defenseman on Arizona right now. Uh, Goss's pairs over there. Good for you. I fucking I like it, Stu. Atta boy. You're proving me wrong. But um, so the next trade. Wait, but you get I, what I'm saying, right? Like, no, like, I get what you're saying. But let let me just let me just fucking say this. I think even if Shikran and and I do think that Ekman Larson was like a, a unique case. And I don't think he's a bad defenseman uh, by any means now. But you're Ekman like Larson? he's oh he's yeah I don't horrible on Vancouver. He's horrible. Well, dude. Vancouver's horrible in general. Cool. Yeah, and the That's contract is brutal, but I'm saying he's still a serviceable yep. defenseman if he was getting paid the right amount, is what I'm saying. And and he was older when he went and he got moved. Like yeah, Chikrin still has great. upside and he's on a and he's on a, a dollar friendly contract and he's got term. So this is what I'm saying. Even if he does get injured or something, 
Ottawa already, like, Ottawa from the beginning when they pulled the trigger on this trade wasn't in a playoff spot. So I think it's a no-fail, even if it doesn't work out in their favor. It's a no-fail trade from Ottawa. They didn't give up any roster players or future future talent, and they can still fucking either choose to resign, and he's still a movable piece, unless obviously he okay. gets injured for the rest of his rest of his fucking career. You want a hot take, Stu? You want a hot take before I move it over? And I do. And wait, let me say, I do think he's yeah. better than you give him credit for. I think, I think, fair. uh, fair. That, I'll say that. No, that that's completely fair. I can't argue with you on that. I just feel like it's common knowledge that if you're the best player on a shitty team, you look even better. But at the same point, here's my hot take. I think that Jacob Chikrin is on like a 60 game fucking PTO with the Ottawa Senators. And if they don't like what they see, guess who's fucking getting flipped next deadline? Next year's deadline, if the Senators are kind of out of the playoffs still and they're not fucking loving what Jacob Chickren's bringing to the table, I think you fucking trade him and get another first-round pick back. You get maybe a second that's conditional. Maybe you get a good prospect. I personally think that Jacob Chickren is on a 60-game <laughs> PTO. I don't want any backlash on that. We're moving on to the next trade. That's the hot take. We'll this watch him. We'll is- watch him. Oh, I interrupted you again. Fuck. I said we'll watch him. We'll keep a close tabs on Chickren when he's on the ice. Okay. Uh, Next yep. weekend, and maybe maybe we can have this debate live in person, and as he's as we kind of see what what what's going on with him. So, oh, dude, we're uh, gonna do a pod live in person, and Stu and I are gonna stand up and have an NHL style brawl. Where well, let's uh, no, we, I'm saying we gotta like film some shit in the game. We gotta get one of the boys oh, dude, to film us, com- and we'll just fill some fucking conversations. We'll see what Chicken's saying on the ice. I'm gonna point out some fucking. I hope he has a good game, so I can be like, Yo, man, I don't, look what this see, guy's doing out here. My thing is, is because we're Leafs fans at this point, we got to band together at the game. We have to be fucking just ripping on guys and then putting the camera to tie. Oh, like, yeah. What do you think yeah, about yeah, that, Ty? Shabbat's a dash three tonight. Like this guy's yeah, fucking some, garbage. There's some storylines we could follow for sure. You because you know if it goes the other way, if Matthews is dash three, like we're going to fucking hear about it. That Stutz was yeah, better than course. Matthews. I think there's going to be some seriously good content that comes out on our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok. It's at Bucks on Nux for all of it. You don't want to miss it. And I think maybe this is wrong of me to fucking put out there. I think there's about a 75% chance that somebody films the podcast and it'll be the first and maybe only podcast that ever goes on YouTube because we're all in the same <laughs> camera shot and we can use an iPhone. And I fucking love everything about it. And I'm really excited for it. We'll move along here, Stu. So the New York Rangers received Patty Kane, where Chicago retains 50% of the salary and Arizona retains. 25% of the salary. So they get Patty Kane for about what's that? Cause he had 10 and a half. So they get him for about 3 million, 3.5 a year. Um, and Cooper Zek, which obviously I don't know who that is, but then they, <laughs> the Blackhawks receive Vili's Seri RV, Andy Walensky and a conditional second round pick in 2023 and a fourth round pick. What do you think of Patty Kane going to the Rangers when you and I had talked that apparently the Rangers were the only team on his list and he was pissed when Tarasenko went there and it wasn't him? What do you think, Stu? Yeah, did you, yeah, fucking get a load of the fucking cat moves that they had to make to make that one work. But uh, right? I'm glad that happened. That's an absolute massive win for the for the Rangers. There's some people that are still um, still doubting the Rangers and and like it's fair. Like you look, yeah, yeah. I, you're pointing at yourself right now, DK. Like that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You look down the lineup and you think like maybe one of the one of the takeaways you have is like there's not a lot of two way guys on this list, but like the star power is certainly there. And from yep. 
uh, on every pretty much on every fucking category. So uh, obviously on offense they're loaded. Um, you can say there's not a lot of two two way players, but offensively loaded. Um, on defense, you know Adam Fox is arguably one of the best, or not arguably, he obviously is one of the best defensemen in the game. Arguably, I, I would say offensive arguably, defenseman. I'd say. Well, he's good both ways, but yes, of course, offensive defenseman. No, but like no, no, in total, he's one of the best offensive defenseman in the league. Like Eric Carlson, when he was one of the best defensemen in the league, it wasn't because of his defensive prowess. No, hundred percent. Right? Like Adam Fox is the same way. I think Adam Fox is a far more responsible defender than than Eric Carlson ever was. Though. Oh no, no, I I agree with that. So, I agree with that. Yep. So what I'm saying is, arguably, you can make you can make the argument that he's a top three defenseman in the league. Um, yep. And then and then obviously Shesterkin, I still think is the best. Yep. Uh, may, obviously, isn't hasn't X-factor. played. Hasn't played the best uh, this year. Like hasn't played as well as last year. But I still think that he. You, I still think, in my humble opinion, I think Shesterkin is the most talented goalie in the world. So this is what I'm saying. He's, From top to bottom, they have a pretty star. They have a pretty fucking action packed team there. Um, obviously, there's some. You know, when you go too far one way, it leaves a hole in, on uh, on the other side. You know what I mean? So like maybe there's maybe there's maybe there's some. Um, kind of areas to expose for for opposing teams but um either way it's a win for for the for the that patty Kane trade is a win for the rangers because so, uh that was a tiny package going back because chicago had no leverage you know what i mean and it sucks it sucks for chicago realistically um, no, fuck chicago dude yeah that's what i'm saying fuck, fuck chicago because the, yep. the the management moves they even the transactions they've made there have been just fucking embarrassing and this one uh, this one just looks like the like the most embarrassing, although it's not really their fault because because uh, well, it's not. I don't know how to explain it, but they had no leverage. There was no way they could have got any more. Um, but it is their fault in a way. Just what's led up to this point, kind of. You oh, know what I'm saying? They made. Yeah, they're the ones the that made the team. Yep. They're the ones that put themselves in this position. But yeah, they. Uh, yeah, so I uh, feel sorry for Chicago fans. Um, because you know that's a lot of building, and you love when you see them in the playoffs. Because it's no nope, fuck, fuck them. You hate them. Uh, DK hates everyone apparently. So we'll just <laughs> fucking uh. no, dude. Chicago. You know you're going on those successful runs, and yeah, is it a great building? Is it original six team? But when you got a fucking cam- uh, video coach doing the fucking shit that he was doing, and the owner making the comments that he was making, and you fucking you, you talked about it last week with Arizona. There should be an investigation into tanking. There should have been an investigation into tanking the Chicago Blackhawks. So that's one of the worst. Yeah, teams get, they'll get away with it though because they started it early. They started yep. at last year's draft. <laughs> they started the tank last oh, year. Oh, dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. They fielded just a grossly bad team. I will say this: <laughs> the Rangers are far better after the deadline moves that they made. Like they're better team after getting Tarasenko and Kane than before, right? But also at the same point, I think you can't. Like the Leafs always got fucking dogged on because it's like, oh, you're just bringing in small skilled guys that do the same shit. They could shoot the puck and fucking pass the puck and have skill and whatever. The Rangers have kind of done that. I understand that there's the Chris Criders and the Trubas and the Keandre Millers already there that that bring that physical edge. I just don't think in a playoff series, the Rangers are as like Tarasenko, you said it the one day. Tarasenko has 10 goals. Patty Kane, it's his worst season of all time. He was debating whether going to get fucking hip surgery or continue on the year and fucking go into a contender. Like, I just think that, I, I just don't love the moves. I don't think that puts them over the top, but I will agree with you. I think Igor Shosturkin, down year or not, he's one of the two best goalies in the entire world. Not even just most skilled, two best goalies in the entire world. And that's the X factor that could win you a cup with a team like that. So I'm going to move on. Um, the next trade, 
This one was kind of like a, a weird trade because I, I don't love the way Edmonton's built right now, but they get Matthias at home. They go out and get a, a later and a sixth round pick for Tyson Berry, former fucking shitty Leaf. Reed Schaefer, a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. You got a winner or loser or an early thought on the Ekholm trade. Like, what do you think about that trade, Stu? I think it definitely made them better. I mean, Matthias Ekholm is a fantastic defenseman, but um, I don't know. It's like hard to look at them on paper and like think like these guys are are deep enough to match up against fucking a lot of the other good teams. When you look at the Rangers, you look at, I mean, this is obviously in the East, but when you look at the Rangers, you look at Toronto now. um, Boston. Boston. Tampa. And it's it's kind of hard. It's like it's like when you look at the bottom bottom of the lineup, it's like are these guys like really it? But uh, but but it's McDavid and Drysaddle. So like these guys, I think are a contender still. And in and in the West, I think it's now. Um, if Colorado can't isn't healthy by playoff time, I think it's Edmonton's conference to win. So Edmonton. Edmonton didn't really need to make the moves. Like it, it, it looks like no, uh, they needed a defenseman. They needed no, a no, no. Yes, that. they did. They did. They did. Sorry, but they did. But it looked it, like like pales in comparison to like some of the fucking shit that went on in the in the east and like you know Toronto added six new pieces you know what i mean so like okay. it's almost like you look at you look at a uh, Toronto's lineup compared to Edmonton's lineup in the, in, before the trade deadline before any moves were made and they kind of like they they're kind of similar in a way where they're like pretty top heavy but then when you go down uh, especially in the on the defensive side it gets a little thin the goalies are still a question mark and then, and then, uh, obviously, there's some up and down forwards on both groups, right? But, but Toronto added six guys. Edmonton almost didn't even add anyone, but they need defense. They add Ekholm, and it's like, fuck, oh, they did Edmonton do enough? But they're in the West. They, that's my maybe all they oh, need. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I'm glad Edmonton made that trade though, because um, um, did you better. see? Did you see what uh, Ken Holland said uh, before the deadline, like a couple days before that? Um, Obviously, like Edmonton fans were like wanting, they they recognized the the need for for an extra defenseman, maybe a couple more pieces on their team, um, but there was no moves being made. And then, Ken Holland was asked in a fucking interview about um, what trade line acquisitions are you going to be making, and he said uh, said uh, something along the lines of he like paused. And it looked like he couldn't answer the question for like a little bit. So it was like already like, uh-oh, this might be a fucking shitty deadline for us Oilers fans. And then he goes, just makes it a hundred times worse. He goes like, I think we have one. He said something along the lines of like, we have the best trade deadline acquisition coming. And that's Evander Kane in effect, because he's coming back up. He's coming off the IR or something. That was like, damn, like that's, imagine hearing that as, imagine you were like a Leafs fan. I saw a tweet. It was a good tweet. It was like, Imagine you're a Leafs fan and uh, uh, oh, I need to find the tweet. Imagine you're a Leafs, a Leafs fan. This was a Leafs. This was Dubis at the, at the deadline or before the deadline uh, talking to a press conference, making these comments and saying like you had and just like put a scenario where you had Matt Murray signed for five by five, like they have Jack Campbell or whatever in Edmonton. Uh, and then you had a bunch of injured guys and your team is fucking lacking and fuck majorly lacking a defenseman and then Dubas says uh all right we have the best trade deadline acquisition coming that's Austin Matthews because he's coming off injury reserve like how pissed would oh, you dude be? I'd be I'd be I'd absolutely lose my mind I'd lose my mind right like exactly. I'd go off the deep end right like I, and and you know what that brings me to my fourth and final trade and 
then we'll get into the Leafs. Because I think we disagree on this one. So we'll rapid fire it. It was the Leafs trade of your boy, Rasmus Sandin, to the Capitals for Eric Gustafson and a 2023 first-round pick. That is Boston's first-round pick. So what would you say, Stu? Uh, it's going to be 27th or later, probably, is what I would say. Right. Um, so, so that's what it was. Sandine for Gustafson and a first-round pick from Boston this year. Um, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. In the group chat, you originally didn't love this trade unless we were trading that first-round pick for something else in a package. Um, how do you feel about it now after it's gone on a little bit? I don't know. I like the... Like- it kind of gets put on the fucking. I don't know. It, it kind of. He was he was the biggest guy off the roster that went like fuck Pierre yeah, Engvall. He like you know what I mean. That's what that's the only reason why I bring it up and it'll caveat us into the Leafs moves. But the I'll go first with the Rasmus Sandin thing. If you're the odd man out, like would I have rather seen Justin Hall get traded? Yes, a hundred percent. Just like any other fucking Leafs fan. But at the same point, Rasmus Sandin is one of those things where people still will call him a prospect ish. Because he's like 24, he's been in the league, he's played 60 games. Is there still potential for him? Maybe he's going to be a good fucking top four defenseman on Washington. Maybe. But at the same point, you bring in Eric Gustafson, who's played, you know, 600 fucking NHL games. He's a bona fide power play guy. He basically brings the same element that Sandine does, but he's proven Mm -hmm. instead of Sandine, and you get a first rounder on top of it, which I do believe is probably going to be used to trade for something. Like, I don't at think the they're making that Boston. Yeah, either either in the offseason or like, you know what I mean, at the draft. I don't think they're picking that pick. Whether they pick up more picks, because this is my thing, Stu. I still don't think with the Leafs, all, all their moves, I still don't think they win a Stanley Cup. But they also kind of right. went all in this year where you need to use that first round pick to recuperate like two second round picks for next year's deadline when you're trying to get that Ryan O'Reilly or that Jake McCabe or that like, you know what I'm saying? Like you or Luke Shen, like you need to recoup some fucking picks. And that's what that first rounder um, will do for you. And I think that's the smart long play here for Kyle Dubas. Um, I'm going to just go out on a limb here before you start. Kyle Dubas, in my opinion, has earned an extension from this deadline alone. I think he's done enough where every fan could look at him and be like, he didn't just bring in small skilled guys. He brought in the Ryan O'Reilly's, the Nolachari's, the Luke Shen's, the Jake McCabe's, these guys that play a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher, and he's done everything he can to set this team up for success. If you want to blame the goaltending on him, sure, I will fucking concede on that point. But outside of that, I think he's done everything he in his power to earn an extension because I love the moves that he made at this deadline, including this Sandine deal. Cause like I said, I think that's a long play where you trade away that first round pick for next year's fucking trade deadline. Go ahead, Stu. I'll let you talk about the Sandine trade and your thought on the Leafs deadline. All right. Well, I'll start with the Sandine trade. Um, the reason I was, the reason I was a little bit disappointed was because, um, I get Sandine might have been the odd man out, and I think they were just doing him a favor realistically by moving him because he didn't really have to be moved, in my opinion. Like, um, I, yeah, I guess it was, you know what, buddy, you're not going to get very much time here. But I wish, th- I only wish that that first would have been used for something right away. Um, yep. Used as leverage somehow in another move at the trade deadline, and it wasn't. So now we just kind of have bosses first. We lost Sandine, and, and, and it hurt me a little bit just because I know Sandine's going to go up there. There's nobody ahead of him on that left side in Washington, and he's going to go up there and fucking tear shit up. 
um, a little, and he's going to be the power play guy now. Um, I, I mean, until Carlson gets back, I guess. Yep. And dude, he already has, I think he has five points in his first two games as a, as a capital. So this okay, is what I'm saying. Like the, you, you the could, power you play could. in Washington is no better than the power play in Toronto. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, they have the same amount of skill where like the Nicholas Backstrom, the Mitch Marner, pick who you want. Ovechkin versus Matthews, pick who you want. And then outside of that, like Kuznetsov no, versus Tavares, Elander, like I know when he was, he was the number two guy here. Hardly though. Right? Like sometimes they would go five, they would, they would go five D or I mean or five, five forwards. forwards. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Who's a better defenseman today in the lineup? Is it Timothy Lilgren or Rasmus Sandin? Well, Timothy I Lilgren. Opposite feel- sides. I get it, but like, Right, so that's why I would have to say Timothy Lilgren. I think they both bring something a little bit different. I think Sandine is the is is a superior offensive defenseman, power play quarterback. I think we don't need that. I think him. If you let him, if you let them both develop on a shit team or or a team where there's no one ahead of them, for example, if you set them both, let's say Carlson was injured forever, right? And you put Sandine in fucking Washington. You also put Lilgren in Washington. I think Sandine ends up being the more fucking star-studded defenseman. Uh, but I don't think I don't think you believe it when you say star studded. Like he's never going to be a star. Neither is Lilligrant. Like I don't think Sandine's got that thing where like he's played sixty or seventy regular season games. Or like how more much renowned? More a, at least at least at the very least more renowned. Yeah, like no, a, where I people agree. understand, people player. see like, all right, that's a good defenseman there, and fucking that's their guy on defense in fucking Washington. I don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think. I think you'd be selling him short by saying there's no there's no chance he t- turns into like one of the better offensive defensemen. Like. This is what I'm saying. Like he kind of reminds me, undersized defenseman, yes, but Adam Fox was the same way. When obviously Sandine's like past that age, where Adam, Fo- or actually I don't even know if he is, but Adam Fox was came out of nowhere, undersized defenseman. Um, he had a good like good little rookie campaign, and then uh, and then nobody really foresaw the fucking. He won a North, out- didn't he? Yeah, that next year though, nobody. But Bro, do it, you ever he, see fucking Sandine winning a Norris though? He went from okay, but listen, this is what I'm saying though. He went from like. A nobody, young defense, like good young, pro- promising young defenseman, to the n- very next season winning the Norris is what I'm saying. So like this is what I'm saying with Sandin. Like I think um, you can't like obviously he's skilled offensively, and obviously he's gonna he's gonna well he has a bigger role now in Washington. So this yeah, is what I'm course. saying. He's in a da- bigger role. Like, he's in a da- time, you're gonna have more chances. The trade put Toronto in a dangerous spot to look stupid in the future is what I'm saying. But I'm willing to look past it, even if Sandine turns out to be a fucking great defenseman there. Yep. Um, just because I do like the, and this leads me into my next thing. I do like the moves um, um, Dubas made. And let me let me let me tee him up for you. So the Jake Jake McCabe, uh, no, Sam no, Lafferty. No. I like them all. I, was, I like them all. I'm going to say all of them well, are wins. I was wins. just going to tee that up for you because you know what? The thing about the Jake McCabe trade that needs to be said is that we have him for this year and two more after, and he's at $2 million a year. That is unbelievably Great. good. Unbelievably good uh, deal from Dubas to get him at $2 million a year because he is like a top four guy. Even if he's number four, he's a top four defenseman in this league. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he kind of reminds me of what like Muzzin was when he was like our best yeah. defenseman at one point. You great, know what I mean? Great fucking comparison. Great comparison. But actually probably a little bit more skilled. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And less I, I can give you that. Right? Like Yeah, yeah. I I like all the moves, realistically. I like every move that Dubas made. I was I was happily surprised, but here's the thing. Yep. Here's the thing. I have a couple questions. I have I have two questions for you, DK. All yep. right. Obviously, everyone kind of uh, like agrees that the moves that were made by Kyle Dubas at the deadline 
were great moves. You look at the team and you kind of think, you know what? These guys might be a contender. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, is that a playoff, just because you look like a contender, doesn't mean you are. You still have to beat Tampa first round. If And then Boston do, in the second, probably. Do you, do the yeah exactly do the Leafs do you, do you look at the do you look at the Leafs on paper and think that they have a fair chance uh, of beating Tampa probably yes. as long as as long as Samsonov is 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 playing as well as he is and healthy I think the Leafs have a fair shot uh, a pretty healthy chance of beating Tampa it's All a right? coin flip for sure at worst right. it's a coin flip 50 right. yeah if they don't however I think Keith most definitely gets the fucking can Sheldon Keith Bowles is gone. But does Dubis stick around? Even the, like he made some sweet deadline moves. Everybody agrees, but it didn't change a thing. If 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 we still lose, does Dubis stay? You said pay the man, but does he stay I, if they lose in the first round? So it, I wait. I wait, would, actually, let me let me interrupt you again. That's my first it, question, and then I want you to answer this as well. If they do get out of the first round, how far do they have to go in the playoffs for both jobs to be safe? So no no no, it's not. We're not talking two jobs here. We're talking three jobs, and it's Shanahan too. Shanahan's been here longer than Dubis and Keith. Shanahan needs to go if Dubis and Keith are going to go. My thing is with Dubis is he can't get out there on the ice and fucking obviously play. I think he brought in the best fucking things that the team needed. Um, I agree with you. I don't think they're good enough to win a cup. I think if you fucking beat Tampa in the first round and you go like seven with Boston. And then I feel like if you go to that sixth and seventh game, it's a fucking coin flip either way. If you go seven with Boston and you lose, I don't think anybody's going to look at this team and be like, that's a bad team. We've talked about Boston's roster before and how fucking good they are. I do think just from the outside looking in, Dubas did legitimately every possible thing that I wanted. He got a top four defenseman. He got a top six center. He fucking made his bottom six more heavy, bigger, faster, physical. He got a big, heavy defenseman in Luke Shen that could fucking like go in and, and make it. And he also acquired a first-round pick. And off our roster was Pierre Engvall and Rasmus Sandin off of like the playing roster. I think that is like almost wizardry considering everyone always talks about fucking how strapped the Leafs are for the cap. I think he deserves everything. Like I, I love what he's done. I think he deserves the extension. But my thing is, is, I agree with you. If they lose in the first round, fucking changes got to be made. But it better be Keith, Dubas, and Shanahan all fucking gone. What do you think of that? I see. This is what I'm saying. I have no like. I honestly like have no idea, and I'm not the guy making these decisions. I'm happy I'm not. But like, you're. I I agree with what you're saying. Um. I like the moves. The moves are almost wizardry, but you have to think that if we lose in the first round, um, you got to overlook those almost because it's like, yeah, you made those great moves and they were fantastic moves for the situation. If you were brought in, if you were the guy that was brought in before, like at the start of fucking this year or in, or in last off season and then made those moves and still lost in the first round, you keep your job and you maybe get a fucking, you maybe get a pay bump. But Dubis is the one that has... In effectively built this team the way it is and all the all the all the hurdles that he had to cross to make these moves happen um were a direct result of his own doing so this is what i'm well, see, this is what i'm saying if you don't and, and I, you've built this team for the last five or six years or however long it's been now yep. do you, like do you deserve another chance even though you made so, a few good moves but do you deserve another chance if but if we didn't you got to question the, the players like that change? too 
does the core deserve 100%. a fucking another chance, right? So, like, if Dubas goes, like, there better be fucking serious changes to the core because, like I said, this year, and anybody who's even a Dubas hater, like, has to agree. Like I said, bringing in the O'Reillys, the Acharis, the McCabe's, like, the Lafferty's, the Shen's, bringing in all of these guys, Samson off on a $1 million deal, me and you both loved the fucking Samson off contract, and that's been one of probably the best free agent signings of the offseason. He's a $1 million fucking goalie who was yeah. considered to be a top 10 goalie. I think every move that Dubas has made has made this team better, and he hasn't subtracted from his big boys on the fucking team that actually make an impact every night. So if he gets fired, which like you said, if they lose in fucking six games, five games in the first round, and Dubas gets fired, I'm not going to cry. But there better be fucking changes to that core too, because you know what? He did everything that he possibly fucking could, and that core lost again. I'm not going to disagree with you. I hated the team that Dubas made, but you have to agree as a guy who, you know, I'm a big guy, like we want to be bigger and more physical and all this other shit. Like he's done that. He did that this year. He 100% did that. And my thing is the guy who's overseeing all this is Brendan Shanahan. If fucking Dubas and Keith go, Shanahan better go, and the core better get the fuck out of here too. Um, I know we're running a little tight on time. Stu's got to go fucking stop the puck. So I'm going to just, I, I, we can talk Leafs all fucking day, me and Stu, and you know that. We're going to do that <laughs> next week um, as well. Did you have any final thoughts on the Leafs deadline and what, what, what you're looking forward to, or can I move on to some NBA? You can move on. Okay, so I'm going to fucking dribble, crossover, do whatever, pull my gun out like I'm Ja Morant. What the fuck do you think of the NBA situation that's going on right now? We got Fred Van Vliet going off on the refs because of the fucking tech and kick ejection of Scotty Barnes. You got Ja Morant pulling fucking guns out on little kids. What do you think of the NBA right now? Yeah, I don't know. This I think the NBA in the few in the last couple of years has kind of everyone involved, not everyone obviously, but a lot of the people involved in the NBA, whether you're a player, you're a ref, you're um, an official, you're in management of some sort, have almost been on a little bit of a power trip because it's fucking crazy to me that John Morant has been getting clowned for like the last week before the live stream happened. The last week for trying to be hood, um, being fake hood. Shannon Sharp reamed him out on his show, like saying he's going to get into trouble. And then literally like the very next day or two days after, guy pulls out a fucking starts waving, flashing a gun on his Instagram live. And then it's the same with the refs. The refs for the last couple of years have been getting clowned because of all, all like it started with the soft text, right? It's soft text. There's throwing out ejections everywhere. And everybody started chirping, and then it seems like, you know what? These fucking fans that are chirping aren't going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do it more. And they started giving out more fucking soft texts and ejections. And now you just see it. It's an absolute clown show in the NBA. The ratings are down. Uh, it's fucking... Everybody hates the NBA now. Well, not everybody. Obviously, the fans are still fans. I still love watching basketball, but the NBA has turned into a bit of a, a fucking clown show now. Like, what do you think? No, I, I agree with that. The Scotty Tech was fucking soft. I think I saw another tech in the NBA that was very, very soft. Um, I don't like it. Uh, the John Morant shit, I think it's so funny that people were calling him out for being fake hood and then all this shit happens too. Like, I fucking think that's hilarious. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it makes no sense. He was like, watched- dude, for, for, oh my, like, it's like, I, I don't know how to explain it, man. Like, it's just like, why would you even think about, like, you've been involved in, you've been, been like, so many call outs. Like, so many allegations against this guy. He's been getting memed for a week. He gets fucking reamed out on national TV on one of the biggest shows by Shannon Sharp. 
And then literally the next day, he thinks it's a good idea to post up in the strip club on Instagram Live waving a gun. And then for the last two years, the last fucking two years, the rest have been getting fucking clowned on for making shit calls, for giving out soft text, soft ejections. And then all in one play, all in one play, the Raptors versus the Nuggets. Uh, brutal fucking call. Brutal fucking call um, on who who even was it? I don't even think it was Scotty like, playing defense, but it was... It was arms up and he called a fucking shooting foul or something. And then and then soft text, soft ejection, Scotty's out of the game. Like it all in one all in literally like 10 seconds. And it just makes no sense. It makes me think it's like a fucking power trip. All these guys don't want to hear what the fan all these guys are like, the fans are just fans. I'm gonna be myself and I'm gonna I have the fucking power here. Nobody can tell me what to do. And then they just refuse to see like helpful criticism and then um and then they get themselves in trouble. And now Fred Van Vliet, uh, we'll roll the clip. But Fred Van Vliet, I love the fucking, I love the fucking interview. I loved what he said. Um, unfortunately, he's going to catch a massive fine for that, though. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was fucking terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple other, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just fucked the game up. You know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bullshit tech. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks. And um, it just kind of fucks the game up. Nobody's coming to see that shit. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was and um it's been disappointing this season um you can look up most of my texts this year have been with ben taylor officiating so at a certain point as a player you feel it's personal and um it's never a good place to be that's not why we lost tonight we got outplayed um but it definitely makes it tougher it's like 20 grand for chirping the refs in a press conference after the game but the other one that i saw i just looked it up I believe it was the Nuggets, and I, I can't believe that I just looked it up and then forgot the team. Got passed the ball back to the ref and got fucking a big T. For Jordan passing. Poole. It was Jordan Poole. Yeah, dude. Oh, so sorry, for the Warriors. And yeah, uh, yeah like I, I hate that. The thing with me, Stu, and I get that you like you know you don't follow it as much as me. Um, the NBA, even with a guy like John Morant, uh, people look at it and they're like, how could you throw everything away? The NFL is so much worse when you watch this. Like Alvin Kamara, like, there's so many dom- domestic violence shit. Uh-huh. Alvin Kamara's in a fucking court case, and Deshaun Watson has 25 sexual assault cases against him, and he gets a $200 million guaranteed contract to go play fucking quarterback. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, the NBA, like, is at the, at the core of it, there's not as many problems, like, as the NFL, and it still moves along. Like, the N- or the NBA was good before John Morant, and they're going to be good after John Morant, no matter what he does. Yeah. He's a fake hood guy. He's no different than a lot of the fucking guys that play. Like Nazem Kadri was like that when he was in Toronto. Apparently he rolled with this posse for a little bit. Thought he was this hood guy from fucking like Brampton. Like did all this shit. But it just, it, I don't know how to describe it. Like this is kind of like a normal thing for me. Like I always joke around. It's a little say, bit like, different, I think. The NFL and shit, like they don't really get clown shit the same way. Like I feel like the NBA guys do. No, but I mean like the superstars get in trouble like John Morant just did. Right. But in the NBA, it's like a shocker. In the NFL, it's like, ah, whatever. Yeah, in the NFL, it happens all the time. That's part of the fucking... It's almost part of the fucking culture, and a lot of those guys are just brain-dead dudes. You know what I'm saying? Where, like, in, in, in the NBA, it's like... It's just people are... It's just people are so fucking, like... 
uh, just fake almost. And they don't like refuse to take accountability and refuse to take criticism because they get this big ego. It's just, it's the NBA is ego where the NFL is just fucking not smart people. That's the fucking difference. I think between the two, the NFL, the pro scouts always say you can take the man out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the man. And that's apparently the fucking case here with John Morant. You could take the man out of the hood and put him in fucking Memphis and let him be a superstar, but you can't take the fucking hood out of the man. This guy's flashing gats. He's Gilbert Arena showing up to the fucking arena with a gun in his sock. I, You know what? Fuck John Morant. Apparently acquired the hood like last summer, yeah. though. <laughs> Literally, though, because he, yeah, this guy's from like Berkeley. It's like the Eminem fucking at eight mile. He's like, yeah, he's yeah, down was like, the he OG went to a private school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking right. Well, we are fucking running on time. Stu's got to fucking drop some saves on some fellas. I got to get on fucking EASHL. You got any final thoughts for this pod, Stu, other than missing our boy Ty? Missing our boy Ty. Shout out, Ty. And uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, look out next week, though. Big fucking, big fucking weekend next weekend for the little kids in Ottawa, in person, in the same house, on camera, live podcast. We should, I think we got a camera there. I'm not going to fucking guarantee anything, yep. but I think we got a lad that's bringing a camera. We're going to have a nice little setup. And then I think we should also like maybe Instagram live it. I don't know. That's just a fucking, no. that's just a I agree. Like, brainstorm um lots of content coming from the fucking ottawa or wherever the fucking sends play in their shitty little town petawawa where the Kanata. fuck it actually is Kanata. who cares about the ottawa senators Stu and i are going there to watch a leafs fucking dub there's going to be a lot of content that comes out from that and i know we joke around on this pod quite a bit here uh, but i'm gonna get serious here for a second shout out to our guy dave if you've listened to 37 episodes you've heard the ending that ty does it's from his guy dave who has unfortunately passed away so rest in peace dave and i'll honor you with one last because i don't host so one last outro and it's if you can't be cool be careful and if you can't be good be good at it